Four expectant fathers were in a hospital room waiting while their wives were in labor. And the nurse came in and she announced to the first guy, she said, congratulations, you are the father of twins. He said, wow, that is a coincidence because I work for the Minnesota Twins. And just a few moments later, the nurse came back into the room and she said to the second guy, she said, you're not going to believe this, but you are the father of triplets. He said, wow, he's unbelievable. He said, that's amazing. I work for 3M. The nurse came in a little bit later, and the first two guys were celebrating, talking about what it's going to be like to be a new dad, but the third guy was really quiet. He wasn't saying much. And the nurse walked over to him and said, boy, brace yourself for this, but you are going to be the father of quadruplets. And he couldn't even speak. He was just silent, and finally he stammered out. He said, I work for the Four Seasons Hotel. At this point, everybody's attention turned to the fourth guy who fainted, just dropped down right there on the spot. When he came to, he could be heard mumbling, I shouldn't have taken that job at (laughs) 7-Eleven. You ask any parent, whether you have one kid, seven kids, 11 kids, parenting is hard. If you are the parent of a newborn, it's hard. You've got crying babies and sleepless nights. If you're the parent of a toddler, you've now got a three-year-old defiantly refusing to do what you've asked them to do. If you have multiple kids, now you're dealing with sibling fights. And if you have teenagers, that's a whole different ballgame. I mean, now you've got hormones and mood and driving and dating and sleepovers and parties and what should we do after high school and a myriad of other decisions. If you have one kid, seven kids, 11 kids, parenting is hard. I came across a video a while back that to me sort of illustrated both the joys and the frustrations of parenting. Take a look. Do you do anything in the bathroom? Mm-mm. Nothing? Mm-mm. I was putting some music on, and then I was giving my phone. So you put, what'd you put on? Music on. Oh. Whose was that? It was, it was my music. Oh, it was? Yeah. Did you ask anybody if you could put it on? I asked myself. <laughs> Did you see how it looked? Yeah. So whose lipstick is that? Uh, mine. You bought it? Yeah. Where'd you buy it at? My Yipik? Yeah. I buy it from Home Depot. <laughs> <laughs> now just think about this for a moment. She went and she got her mom's lipstick, so she took her mom's lipstick without them knowing, draws on her face. Who knows where else she drew? My wife and I walk into bedrooms all the time, and it's their Sharpie on the wall and marker on the wall and crayons on the wall. So this is going to cost this dad some time. He's going to have to clean things up. He's going to have to put things back. Parenting is hard. But when she looks at you with those big brown eyes and says, Homie Depot, (laughs) you're the happiest man in the world. And that's parenting. 
Parenting, on the one hand, is really hard, and on the other hand, it's one of the great joys in people's lives, all wrapped into one. Psalm 127, verse 3, says that children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. Kids are a gift from God. They're not a pain. They're not a burden. They're not a distraction from your real life and dreams. I know it can feel that way at times, but the Bible says that children are a gift from the Lord. And the verse goes on to say that children born to a young man are like sharp arrows in a warrior's hands. How happy is the man whose quiver is full of them. Here's what you do with an arrow. First thing you do is you aim it. So you're giving it some direction. The second thing you do is you pull the string back. You're preparing it. And then the third thing you do is you release it. You let it fly. Parenting is the same way. You try to give your kids some direction in life. You prepare them for life. But at some point, you've got to let them go. Today's message is titled, Raising Boys and Girls. And I want to talk about how do you raise a son to become a man? And how do you raise a daughter to become a woman? How do you give them some direction? How do you prepare them for life? And then how do you let them go? Sociologist Michael Kimmel did an experiment with West Point cadets. And he asked them two different questions. The first question was, what does it mean to be a real man? And all the cadets were like, oh, yeah. They, they started shouting things out. They didn't have a problem answering that question. They, they said words like honor and duty. They made statements like, he's a protector of the little guy, he's honest, he has integrity, he's a provider, he's a protector, that's what it means to be a good man. But then Kimmel said, oh, here's a second question for you, what does it mean to be a real man? And the cadets all yelled out, they said, oh, that's way different. A real man is tough. He wins at all costs. He gets rich. He gets laid. That's what it means to be a real man. Kimmel says he's traveled all over the world asking different groups of people these two questions. And he says it doesn't matter what country I'm in or what culture I'm in. I get about the same answers every time. So which is it? Are you trying to raise a son who becomes a good man, or are you trying to raise a son who becomes a real man? What about your daughter? 1 Peter chapter 3 says this, you should clothe yourself, speaking here to women, instead with the beauty that comes from within, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. This is how the holy women of old made themselves beautiful. Nothing wrong with external beauty, nothing wrong with it at all. But what's the kind of beauty that God cares about? It's the beauty of a gentle spirit. It's the beauty of character. It's, a, it's an inner beauty, but that's become more challenging in our world today. In an article titled, Selena Gomez, Taylor Swift, and the Reality of Imperfection, one teenage girl said it this way. She said this, on social media, everyone seems like they're better than me. And everyone seems like they're ahead of me, which stresses me out and makes me feel behind, unwanted, and stupid. I scroll through Instagram and I see models 
with perfect bodies and I feel terrible about myself. I don't think she's the only one. Teenage girls, young women today, they're competing against filters. They're competing against airbrush photos. They're competing against AI. It is a completely unrealistic expectation. But which is it? Are we shooting for external beauty or are we shooting for internal beauty? And you might be listening to this, especially if you're a parent, and you're like, well, it's obvious. Like, internal beauty, of course. You just kind of read that verse. But the media that surrounds us every day pushes against that. For example, author Suzanne Venker did a study of different TV shows and movies to see how men and women were portrayed. And what she found was that many times men are portrayed as sort of foolish, like they don't really know what's going on. And many times women still in our world today are used as an object to, to get men and other people to kind of watch a little bit closer. Take the show Modern Family, for example. Modern Family, one of the more popular sitcoms over the last decade or so. The dad, he kind of doesn't quite, he's not totally with it. He's funny, but he's kind of bumbling around a little bit foolish. And then there's other characters on the show that seem to be there for the sex appeal. They seem to be there for the object. And that's not the only show that's like that. Another author looked at Disney Channel. And they found that for their most popular shows, every 3.24 minutes, the dad was portrayed as kind of didn't quite know what was going on. More than ever before, parents need to fight for their families, to fight for their son, to fight for their daughter. This is not the first time that we've had to do this. In the book of Nehemiah, chapter 4, here's what it says. It says, remember the Lord who is great and awesome. And fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. We need moms and dads, grandparents and great-grandparents, uncles and aunts, brothers and sisters, teachers, coaches, small group leaders to fight for the next generation, to fight for their sons, to fight for their daughters, to fight for their families. How do you do that? Well, here's the first way. Praise women for what is truly praiseworthy. I talked about this a little bit last week, but Jesus' teaching to women in the first century in which he lived and taught was extremely countercultural. At that time, women were relegated to the private sphere. Men dominated the public sphere. And it was even true if you went to the temple to worship God, women were confined to what was called the women's court. They could not go to the same places that the men went to. Jesus reversed that. When Jesus taught, there was both men and women listening to him at the same time. In a culture where women were not encouraged to read or to learn, Jesus revealed some of his most important truths to women first. When a religious leader was critical of a woman who had a sinful past, Jesus said that because of her love for God, because of her willingness to turn from her past sin, that her sins were forgiven. Jesus offered salvation to a woman who had been a prostitute. He respected women. He never crassly joked about women. He never used women for his own gratification and pleasure. 
He never demeaned women in any way. I want to read to you again 1 Peter chapter 3, because I think this is such an important verse. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of precious worth in God's sight. Actress Sybil Shepherd rose to fame when she was starring on a TV show many years ago called Moonlighting. And Sybil Shepherd was considered a beautiful woman. She was Miss Teen Memphis. She had been on the cover of Glamour magazine. She was a spokesperson for CoverGirl and L'Oreal. But when she was in her late 50s, she did an interview with Oprah Winfrey where she talked about the aging process. And I want to read to you what she said in that interview. She said, I remember the first time walking across the street with my two daughters and noticing that men were looking at them and not me. It was disturbing, she said. I had this great fear that as my beauty faded, I wouldn't be valued anymore. What a sad statement. That as her beauty began to fade, at least beauty as defined by our world, she felt like her value as a woman was being diminished as well. Lord, help us to shed this sinful and worldly version of beauty that makes a woman feel worse and worse the older that she gets. Let us start to encourage women for the things that really matter in life. Women, I would want you to know you are precious in God's sight. You are loved by God. And you don't have to look a certain way or dress a certain way to get his attention. And his love for you, your preciousness to him, it's not going to fade as you age. Proverbs 31, one of the most important verses that directly speaks to women in the Bible. It says this, a wife of noble character who can find She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she then plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks. She sees that her trading is profitable And her lamp does not go out at night. I mean, this woman's getting it done. She's producing fabrics. She's trading fabrics. She saw a field and she went and bought it. So she's like a real estate mogul. And then she's a small business owner because she planted a vineyard and started this whole business. I mean, she is productive. She is getting it done. But I want you to see what the verse says next. Charm is deceptive, and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. I don't know many, I'm sure there's some, but I don't know many social media pages that are dedicated to teenage girls or to young women. I don't know many websites or, or YouTube videos that are targeting young women today that are going to look at them and say, you need to fear the Lord. 
You need to develop a healthy fear of God more than anything else. But I love the truth in this verse. Beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Because she doesn't have to go around worrying what you think and if you liked it and if you thought it was good enough because she's living her life for an audience of one. She's living her life to please the Lord. Here's what your daughter needs. She needs your time. She needs your attention. And she needs your encouragement. She needs dads that will take her out on a date. She needs a dad who tells her that she's beautiful. You may say, well, you just said that. No, she needs to hear it from you. She needs your voice speaking into her life. But don't just stop there. Encourage her for the ways that God has gifted her. Encourage her for her wisdom, for her godliness, for her love of other people. Encourage her for how she serves and forgives and her grace nature, her gentleness. Start to praise her for those kinds of things. And then your daughter needs a mom who walks her through what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus as a woman today. She needs to be able to talk to you about those things and have you pray for her about those things and give you, have you give her some instruction about those things. To be praised for what is truly praiseworthy. Here's the second way to fight for our families. Build men up instead of tearing men down. There was a movie called Fatherhood starring Kevin Hart. It became Netflix's number one worldwide hit after just one week. It was based on a true story of a father who was struggling to raise his daughter after his wife died giving birth to her. They asked Kevin Hart, why did you want to be a part of this movie? Kevin Hart said, I wanted to be a part of it because I wanted to show fathers in a positive light. Apparently there was a lot of people, based on the number of people who watched the movie, who wanted to see a message that portrayed fathers in a positive light. The Industrial Revolution took place in the 18th century, and it changed the family. And we don't realize this today because we're a couple hundred years later. It's just kind of how life has always been for us. But previously, there was a time when men worked at home, and they did chores at home. And the whole family was doing chores together, and the whole family was participating in the family business, whether it was the farm or some other kind of business. They were all doing it together. But after the Industrial Revolution, often men started to get up in the morning and go, going to work. And they weren't around with the family. And they weren't there alongside their kids, working with them, showing them how to do the family business. And so men started to feel this responsibility to provide for their family, but not as much of a responsibility to love and lead their family. Which, if we're honest, that's the part we feel the most insecure about, isn't it? I mean, most guys that I talk to are like, gosh, I got my own struggles. Like, I don't, I'm not sure I can spiritually lead my family. In the Old Testament, there was a man named Gideon. And God came to Gideon and he said to him, I want you to lead the nation of Israel into battle against the Midianites. Gideon was a farmer. Gideon's like, I can lead the oxen out to the field to plow the field, but I can't lead an army into battle. And so Gideon turns to the Lord and he's like, how can I deliver Israel? 
My family is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the youngest in my father's family. You ever feel like that before? You ever feel like, God, I'm too weak. I'm too young. I I don't come from the right family background. I don't have what it takes. Pick someone else. And God looked at Gideon. And here's what he said to him. Go in the strength that you have. Men, sometimes all you can do is go in the strength that you have. You don't feel adequate. You feel weak. You feel like you're too young in your faith. You don't come from the right family. You're like, God, pick, pick somebody else to do this. And God is saying to you, go in the strength that you have. And just a little bit later, God speaks directly to Gideon. And he says, I will be with you. And when God is with you, you have all the strength that you need. In fact, when the angel of the Lord first greeted Gideon, here's what the angel said. The angel said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. I would love to come home from work just once and have my wife greet me and say, mighty warrior, how was your day? I'm not holding my breath. I don't think that's going to happen, but it would be cool. I would love to sit down at the dinner table and have my kids passing over the mashed potatoes and say, mighty warrior, have some more mashed potatoes. It never happened before. I don't know if it's ever going to happen. But the angel addresses Gideon. He says, you are a mighty warrior. Was he a mighty warrior? Well, he was a farmer. And the angel knew that. The angel knew that when Gideon thought about himself, what he thought of himself was, you're weak, You're too young. You don't come from the right family. You don't have the right family background. You don't have what it takes. I can't do it, God. And so the angel began to speak words of truth into Gideon's life. You are a mighty warrior. And I believe that that's what God may want to do for some of you here today. To remind you that God has gifted you. To remind you that God has equipped you. To remind you that you have everything you need to do everything that God has asked you to do. With that in mind, let me ask you this question. If you are not going to raise your son or your daughter to know Jesus Christ and to love Jesus Christ, who else is going to do that for you? This question became more relevant to me years ago I took my two oldest sons to the library they were about five years old and three years old at the time my oldest Micah was about five and I brought him to the library and it was the Wednesday before Easter and so the librarian gathered all the kids together and she said before she started reading she said kids who's coming on Sunday and my son Micah goes Jesus And she looks at him and she goes, "Uh, no, it's the Easter bunny. And Mike is like, oh, I thought for sure I had that right. And I was like, okay, whatever, you know, Easter, fine. Then she goes, and kids, what day is this Friday? And I thought, thank you. Like, throw me a bone here. It's Good Friday. It's coming up. It's the day we celebrate that Jesus died on the cross. Thank you for at least kind of acknowledging that. And so Micah, again, he goes, 
Jesus died on the cross. And this time she kind of looked at him and then she glanced over at me and she said, no, it's Earth Day. And I try to, you know, not put people in an awkward position. I try to keep my emotions to myself. I could not help. I said, you got to be kidding. I just kind of threw my hands up in the air. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Now, don't get me wrong. Love the earth. Okay. I live on the earth. No planet I'd rather live on, by the way, than the earth. I am a happy inhabitant of the earth. Okay. Love Earth Day. I recycle. It's all good. But if you think that your kids are going to come to know and love Jesus Christ just because they live on the earth, just because they live in America, it's crazy. Depending on what school your kids go to, most likely they're not going to learn about Jesus in school. They're not learning about Jesus probably on the back of the bus. They're not learning about Jesus playing video games or on social media, most likely, maybe, but most likely not. They need you. They need a mom and a dad who's intentional to show them what does it mean to know and love Jesus Christ. And I talk to dads all the time who are like, yeah, see, this is the part where I feel like Gideon. This is the part where I'm like, I'm not equipped. I don't know the Bible that well. I'm too weak. I, I'm pretty young in my faith. I don't come from the right family. Like I didn't grow up in a Christian household. And so I just don't, I don't really know these things. I don't, I don't feel comfortable praying in front of other people. Like there's all kinds of reasons why, God, you should pick someone else. And I just want you to know, God's not picking someone else. He's picking you. And all you have to do, you don't need a degree to do this. You don't have to come from the right family to do this. All you have to do is read the Bible on your own, come home, and say to your kids, I read this today, I don't know what it means, what do you think it means? You just became a spiritual leader. All you have to do is listen to a sermon on the way to school, or running errands, or coming home from work, and then play like two minutes of it for your kids. Or text them the message, and say, man, this was good, you should listen to this. You just became a spiritual leader. All you have to do is go to your kids and say, is there any way I can pray for you? And, and they're probably their first response is, oh, no, no, not really. And you just got to stick with it and go, just give me one thing I can pray for you. And then pray for them. And you just became a spiritual leader. You don't need a degree to do this. You don't need to have your life all together to do this. You just need some intentionality. And maybe you're a dad and you're like, I haven't been doing that. And the beauty of God's grace is that you can start today came across another video that I think just shows the power of a father in his son or daughter's life. Take a look. I love the hat throw. <laughs> he learned that somewhere. But there is something. If you're a dad... The value that you have placed, the, the role that you have in your child's life. Can't replace it. And you might be listening to this message and you're a single parent. And there's not a father in the home or there's not a mother in the home. And my wife and I have a good friend who's in that situation. Her husband had an affair and left her to raise multiple kids on her own. 
And there are many days when she has to go in the strength that she has. And on the days when she doesn't have much strength, she says, Alexa, play Psalm 84. And I want to read to you parts of Psalm 84. It says, happy are the people whose strength is in the Lord. Better is one day in your courts, God, than a thousand elsewhere. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Better is one day with God than a thousand elsewhere. If you've ever experienced a moment in your life where you've truly sensed God's love and God's presence, maybe it was at church and you were worshiping, maybe it was on a walk and you were praying, maybe you were just reading your Bible and a verse just popped out at you, and you just realized that God was speaking to you. If you've ever had a moment where you've experienced God's love and presence in your life, you know this is true. Better is one day with God. Better is one moment with God than a thousand days elsewhere. Better is one moment with God, one experience with God, than a thousand experiences or moments in this world. One of the things that this single mom struggled with is how is she going to provide for her kids? And she's discovered that God's been providing. Her daughter recently won a difficult leadership scholarship over many other people, got a full ride to a great university. And afterwards, this mom texted my wife. And here's what she said in that text. She said this, God is beyond what words can convey. There is no love in the universe that can compete. One of my struggles as a parent is with control, specifically the illusion that I have it. I always kind of thought before I had kids that, you know, kids were like clay and you were the potter and you kind of molded them how you wanted them to be. And so if you were doing things right as a parent, that there was, everything was just going to kind of go well. So your kids were going to do well in school and they were going to do well in sports and they were going to do well with friends and their faith and everything was going to be up and to the right. And there are so many times as a parent when I watch my kids going through something and I think to myself, I can't control this. I can influence my kids, but I can't control my kids. I can influence how they see the world, and I can influence their situation and circumstances, but I can't control their situation and circumstance. And so more and more as a parent, what I'm finding is I need to pray to the one who is in control. I need to trust the one who is in control. So I want to close out today's service, and I want to pray over every parent here. I want to pray over every grandparent. I want to pray over every uncle or aunt who is involved in their niece or nephew's life. And I also want to pray for those of you who want to have kids but haven't been able to. Because you hear me read a verse earlier like, children are a gift from the Lord, and that hurts. Because you want to receive that gift. And I want to pray for you that God would comfort you and God would continue to be one that you can trust no matter what circumstance you're going through in life. Let's pray together. God, there are moms and dads here and you have given them a great responsibility. 
And many times we feel weak and we don't feel like we have the strength. So right now, God, by your power and your spirit, I pray that you would fill us with your strength, that we could go in the strength that we have. God, I pray that you would be with moms and dads who are in difficult situations with their kids and are struggling. God, I pray that they could trust that you are in control and that you are with them. God, I pray for grandparents and uncles and aunts and anybody who's involved in a kid's life, a small group leader, a coach, a teacher, God, that you would give us a heart to see the struggles that those people, or those young people are going through. And God, how can we love them with the very love that we've received from you? How can we encourage them, God? Pray that you would give us an opportunity this week to see someone who needs to be encouraged, who needs to be built up as a man or as a woman. God, I pray for any single parent here that they would just experience a special blessing and sense of your love and presence in their life. And they would walk in your strength and trust in your strength. And God, I pray for any couple that's trying to have kids and hasn't been able to. Lord, I pray for your comfort. That you would comfort them and that they would continue to trust you no matter what's happening in their life. God, I pray a blessing right now on every father, every mother, every child in this church. We pray it in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, if you are a mom or a dad or a grandparent and you need some prayer, come on down front. We would love to pray for you. Otherwise, we'll see you next week.